Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad you are here, and I am so excited about today's episode. I am interviewing Rebecca Ramage, and Rebecca and I don't really know each other personally, but we have lived kind of in the same community and had our circles cross, and I have just been so fascinated with her journey. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear it today. Rebecca is a wife and a mom, an entrepreneur, a longtime business professional and leader, an x-ray tech, and now a hemp farmer. Yes, you heard that right. And her story is so great, but I am going to let you hear the story from Rebecca herself. So welcome to Seize Your Midlife, Rebecca. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. Your story is so fascinating and I just know people are going to love it. So let's just dive in with the first question that I always ask on this podcast, which is only appropriate on this podcast, which is how old are you? Yeah, I'm 44 years old. Okay. And where are you right now? Right now, I'm hiding in my closet in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, which I consider to be one of the best small towns in the Midwest. It is. As much as I do not miss the Wisconsin weather, I miss all the other things. It's such a great place to live, and I love that you're in your closet. It's a great place to be for a podcast interview because it's not echoey. (laughs) Yep. Good. Okay, so you have not always lived in Wisconsin. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you ended up here and kind of your long winding path to to get here? Yeah. So, well, I'm originally from a little tiny town in Iowa, about 300 people. I grew up on a farm with my parents and siblings, and it was really busy. We had pigs and cows and corn and soybeans. And then I decided to become an x-ray tech. So I um, went to x-ray school. And after working for a couple years in the field, I got the traveler bug and decided to become a traveling x-ray tech. So that took me on so many adventures. I've been so blessed. I've lived everywhere from Maine to San Diego and from Florida to Alaska. I I would move about every three months for that job. And I loved it. I loved the freedom and I loved the flexibility and I loved the independence it gave me. I got to travel on somebody else's dime, which was really amazing, especially being young and in my 20s. And then I met my husband. He is actually from the Clearwater St. Pete area and he is an ultrasound tech. And we met on a traveling assignment in Santa Rosa, California. So we traveled together for a little while, got married, and he ended up with an assignment here in Wisconsin. And at the time, uh, we had a couple kids and 
we just thought this was such a great place. They had built a new hospital. They thought they were going to need him to work there. So we were kind of looking around and realized that this was a really great place to raise a family. And after living all across the country, we were really happy here. So we decided this is where we were going to make our home at. So that's how I got to Wisconsin. I love that. And I love your story of using your experiences at X-Ray Tech to take you all over the place and being somebody that's like a gypsy soul myself. I can really appreciate that and just how that time in your life is the best time to be you know, living all over the place and soaking up as much as you can. So that's awesome. So once you're back in Wisconsin, you start a long and really established career at Wild Tree. And I really want you to talk about that. But will you just give everyone like a two-second blurb about Wild Tree in case they never went to one of the parties or just aren't familiar with it? Yeah. So Wild Tree was um, a drug sales company that really helps busy people make quick, healthy meals in minutes. My business was around coaching and mentoring women, but the products were really focused around clean, healthy, organic, you know, meals in minutes. Yeah. Well, you have that down. I, it's funny. I tried to write like down what I thought it was and you did a much better job at like the quick recap of it. So thank you. And you were there for a long time and it really became a pretty big business for you. So why don't you talk about what that looked like? Yeah. So uh, pre-Wild Tree, I feel like this is kind of important to share. So I had, you know, been traveling and independent and had my own career for so long. And then, you know, we moved to Economwalk and my kids were two and a half and five, and I really wasn't able to travel like I had been in the past. And I'd kind of gone from making this really great income to taking a full-time job at the local hospital. And I love patients and I love taking care of people, but I could tell that I was starting to get a little less than satisfied. And I started to kind of even feel not panic, but just like, is this it? Like, am I going to be working in the same job forever? Like, uh, okay. So randomly a girl called me a friend I hadn't seen in a long time. I didn't have a lot of friends because we were not from Wisconsin. I didn't grow up here. I didn't have any connections. She said, Hey, I'm going to go out with some friends and eat and drink tonight. Would you like to come out with me? And I was so excited. I was like, yes, where do I got to go? And so I didn't really know what I was going to. So I got there and I found out it was like this home party. And I was like, I was looking around the room and everybody was having so much fun and we were eating awesome food and hanging out in community. And I heard the sales rep say, well, you can travel with this and you can make really good money. And I like clicked in my head. I was like, okay, I need to do this. So I signed up on the spot, having no clue really what I was going to do, but I knew that this would be something that I could do around my kids and still give me that ability to travel a little bit. Because like you, I am a little bit of a gypsy at spirit. (laughs) And so... That was like the beginning of my wild tree journey and it progressed over the next 10 years and I really built this business that was about community and connection and helping people and being in their homes and celebrating their families and helping other women very similar to my situation find purpose and um, set goals and reach them and, you know, travel and all the different things and it really, really filled my cup so very much. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and I'm going to guess based on, you know, how long you did this business and, you know, how successful you were, that it more than made up for your x-ray tech salary. Oh, absolutely. You know, it wasn't um, like immediate. So I did have to work, you know, two jobs at one time for a while, you know, because we weren't independently wealthy and I couldn't just quit my job completely. But then as I kind of grew my Wild Tree business, I was able to focus, right? I put more into Wild Tree and less into x-ray. And before you knew it, I was, you know, able to say, you know what? I don't need this job anymore. And I was able to quit my job at the hospital. Wow. And didn't you tell me something like you were in the top 1% or something like that of all of the Wild Tree? 
Yeah, I was. So my career, you know, spanned about a decade, but it was pretty quick that I was able to kind of rise up through the ranks. I really made it a full-time focus and I was driven and I kind of knew what I needed to do to be successful. And I just followed the path that was laid out ahead of me. Wow. And how many people, like I know you said, you know, what you loved the most about it was the impact you could make on other women's, other moms' lives. So how many women were you working with at this point, like, you know, down the road? Yeah. So uh, we had a core like leadership team, you know, that was anywhere from 25 to 50 people, but our organization was over a thousand people at one point. So there was a lot of people that were being impacted by the decision I had made to start this business. And I had a lot of pride in that. And I loved helping all of those people, you know, kind of build their lives and build their businesses. That's amazing. And I love that because I think a lot of people kind of have this like negative feeling about direct sales companies sometimes. And so to hear you be like, well, this was so life-changing, not only for me, but for a thousand women is really incredible. So in the middle of this time at Wild Tree, you and your family started dreaming. It was 2017 and you guys are dreaming and you sit down at the kitchen table and what does this look like for you guys? Yeah. So one of the things I was kind of known for at Wild Tree was casting vision and helping people. You know, I did lots of trainings on setting goals and, you know, what do you want the next thing to be and what do you want to build that life to look like? And so I just really was doing that with my own kids. We sat down at the table and we looked at our goals for 2018 and I had the kids all write out like a list of places they wanted to go and see because obviously travel is really important to me. And they all came back with Alaska and this island we call Piggy Island on their list. And so my husband and I kind of looked at the list and said, all right, let's go to Alaska. And so I had lived in Alaska as a traveling x-ray tech. And I knew that I didn't want the what I call the Disney World experience where you lay out all this money and then you feel so indebted to make sure you see every princess and everything that you can see. Because that wasn't really spending time with my family in a place that I wanted them to experience. So I had to kind of reframe, like, how are we going to make this work? I don't want to rush up there and just, you know, pack this all in in two weeks. I really want to spend the summer in Alaska with my kids. And so I um, hit the phones like any good lady in sales would do. And I started calling hospitals and I called hospitals because I knew that they would need summer help because populations that are vacation destinations often need healthcare workers in their busy season. And so I leveraged that knowledge and just started calling hospitals and was able to secure a contract for my husband to go and work for the summer in Alaska. So we made plans and, you know, we looked at our budget and we're like, okay, you're still going to make great money. You know, it's going to offset, you know, getting up there, but we still have to live while we're there. So, you know, VRBO and Airbnb have become so popular that I took photos of our house. I listed it on VRBO. I had it rented out pretty much the entire summer we were gone. So right before we left, I packed everything up, kind of locked it up and we, we were lucky. We got to fly in the airplane. My husband actually drove the car 58 hours to Alaska one way. Oh my gosh, when you told me that, I was like, oh my, that's that's insanity. <laughs> I know. He still loves me. Oh my gosh, good. Well, I love so many things about that story. One, I love that you just said like, let's sit down and look at our dreams and let's make it happen because I don't think that people do that enough in their lives to go, let's be real intentional about chasing our dreams. So I love that. But I just also love the resourcefulness of it, that you're like, nope, I'm going to call the hospital. I'm going to VRBO my house. And that those things combined – 
allowed you to go move to Alaska. So you were there for a whole summer, right? Yep, a whole summer. We the kids got out of school like the first week in June. We flew up. John actually had to leave earlier because he was driving. And we took our dog. We, we were able to take our dog with us because we couldn't leave him for three months. And we came home right before school started in the fall. Oh my gosh, I love that. And your kids will never forget that either. What an amazing experience. Okay, so you're working at Wild Tree. Things are going incredibly well. You've had this amazing experience in Alaska with your family. And at the same time, you're looking back at your family in Iowa and you and your brother are kind of going, how can we help them move you know, out of full-time farming and into retirement. And so you guys started talking and brainstorming and what did you come up with and what did that look like? Yeah. So I had kind of known, you know, we were in Alaska, you know, when you set a big goal like that and you hit it, it's like, okay, I really can do things if I just decide I'm going to do them. And so I'd kind of been, you know, talking to my brother and looking at my parents' situation. I'm like, there has to be some resolution here that can help them transition. And so my brother's a hemp activist, uh, which means basically he works for free advocating about all things hemp. He works with the Hemp Feed Coalition and he's like the director of the Friends of Iowa Hemp and a couple other positions. And I was chatting with him over Christmas in December 2018. So this is about the time when the farm bill is being passed um, through legislation. So there's a lot of talk about hemp and what is the hemp industry going to look like? So we were kind of hatching this plan like, well, what if we start transitioning my parents' farm from corn and soybeans into this hemp industry? What is the future going to look like for that. So I came home after Christmas break after chatting with my brother and my best friend was coming over for New Year's Eve. We we're going to have some cocktails. Our kids were going to hang out and play. Our husbands all get along. And so they were sitting at the table and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. I think I'm going to be a hemp farmer. And she's like, oh, you're going to think I'm even crazier because I want to do it with you. And that was the beginning of Lake Country Growers. Oh my gosh. I love that. And so you had grown up in this long time farm family, even though you didn't go on to be a farmer yourself, obviously at first at all, you were doing completely different things, but your best friend, Mo, right? That's her name. She had literally zero experience with anything having to do with farms or farming, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. So she had raised her family in inner city Milwaukee, actually. She has four children and her husband's a carpenter and a Christian musician. And he, I think him and I are kind of like kindred spirits like that. We both have this big vision and can see like big projects come to completion, which is kind of funny because my husband and Mo are a lot alike in the opposite area. So it was quite the adventure that we've been on. Oh my gosh. So you guys have this conversation, you know, you're having a glass of wine, you have this conversation, but how did you go to take that to reality to say like, no, we're really going to have a hemp farm? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It was one of those things. It's like, I guess like any other goal you set, you start with the end in mind and work backwards. We didn't even have land. Even though I'm well connected now here in Wisconsin, my network aren't farmers. I knew what we needed to do to actually implement the plan, but getting the resources together. The other thing you have to keep in mind too at this point in the industry is it's a brand new industry. Nobody really knows what this looks like. There's been some pilot programs throughout some different states that have been implemented in like 2014, but to grow hemp legally across 50 states just got approved basically the end of December of 2018. So we are on the internet. I'm reading blogs. I'm doing research. I scour the entire internet just looking for information on what are the best practices? What do we need to be doing to actually even get started? 
Oh my gosh. So what did you do? Like, how did you get land? Because you didn't own, you lived in like a normal house in Oconomowoc. You didn't have land. Yeah. So uh, luckily we were well connected and some of our friends uh, are farmers. And so we reached out to them and he actually had three different farms he toured us through. And I don't think I even shared this story, but I'll share it here. So I called Mo. I said, okay, our friend's got some land for us to go and look at. Make sure you pack your boots. And so she shows up from Milwaukee in this cute little jacket and these little leather like cross boots that were open. Like you could see her little bare toes sticking out of them. (laughs) And it's February in Wisconsin and the snow is hip deep. And I'm like, "Um," I said to bring your boots. Like we're going to go actually walk across the field. And she was like, oh, I brought my boots. Like these cute little booties that were like adorable. Oh my gosh. Like she was going out to dinner like for a glass of Prosecco. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, well, I thought we'd look at it out the window or something. Like, no, we actually have to go survey the field. So that's why we jokingly say, too, we're the country girl and the city girl because it's like context content, right? You know, like. I love it. Okay, so you you make a decision on one of the pieces of land and you buy it, you lease it. What does that look like? Yeah, we just lease it. Okay. So, yeah, so he was super generous with us and helped us you know, helped us work. We don't have big tractors either, right? We're not going to, we have no idea what this industry is. So we can't invest uh, major amounts of money in infrastructure. And even at this time, no one's going to bank with a hemp farmer. The industry is very new and it's very censored and it's very, I don't want to say discouraged because people are curious, but no one's willing to help you put their skin in the game. So we couldn't get insurance. We couldn't get loans. We couldn't get a website. We couldn't get, I mean, there's so many things we could not get in those first year of our business. Wow. But you you know I know you're saying you couldn't take a loan, you know, you couldn't buy big equipment cuz you couldn't take, you know, a huge risk, but you did. You even told me, you know, about that bag of seeds that you first bought. Like, will you just talk a little bit about that because I just was mind blown by this. Yeah, so, you know, we couldn't go the traditional route of like getting an ag supported loan because hemp was just legalized and so there was so much regulations around it that no one really knew what to do, right? So no one would let us have like a conventional loan. So obviously we self-found you know, funded our own business. We dug into our coffers and, you know, came up with some money out of our savings. So both my business partner and I, and we bought the seeds and I don't really share this publicly with too much, um, but I will share it here today because I feel like it's important. So we spent $30,000 on just the seeds alone for the first year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And if you want to know what $30,000 worth of seeds look like, um, imagine a quart-sized Ziploc bag about halfway full. The seeds are so tiny. And I mean, we put all of our hopes and dreams and financial resources into this bag of seed. Let me tell you, when we were planting those, we were like, don't you drop one seed. Like we were watching every seed that was put into the soil. I can't even imagine. And I'm glad that you decided to share that because when you told me that, I was blown away. And I just think about like how I feel when I buy a $25 plant at Lowe's and I'm like, (laughs) oh my God, it died. No, like I can't even imagine $30,000 thousand dollars of plants and like that you didn't really I mean honestly you didn't really know what you were doing right so like that was I just can't even imagine the fear that that must have felt like putting that in the ground and also a place where the weather is so tumultuous it is it is and our first year was rough you know so just to kind of share the seed journey you know you buy the seeds you start them in trays like you know you've probably seen at your Lowe's or Home Depot and you know you fill them with soil you put the little seed down in there well we planted 22,000 seeds by hand 
Oh my gosh. And where were you storing that? Yeah. So we had, you know, I'm kind of thrifty. I had found on uh, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, I don't remember which one now, an old greenhouse. It was an old Ace Hardware that was going out of business and they sold me their greenhouse. I recruited a neighbor and she came with me and we packed this greenhouse up piece by piece by piece. And we brought it all the way back here to my yard and we put it up in my yard. And so we um, started all of the seeds by hand in my backyard. And then we transplanted these seeds in their trays into this greenhouse in my backyard. And just to give you the scope, the greenhouse was 1,500 square feet. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. And you literally built this in your backyard. Yes. We built this in our backyard. Wow. With our family, yep, with all the kids and husbands. And we recruited lots of people. Oh my gosh. I mean, this just goes back to that whole, like you are an incredibly resourceful person. That's just unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. And bootstrapping will make you do that, right? So so now we've got these plants, we've got them started, we've got them in our greenhouse. I'm like reading all the gardening books and how to harden off plants. And, you know, we actually did really well. We didn't lose a lot of plants and the hemp plant is actually very resourceful. It is very, um, it's a pretty hardy plant, but you can, like, you know, you're a plant lady, you can kill stuff. Oh yeah. So many sleepless nights. I would remember crawling on my belly in this greenhouse and watering plants and just sweat pouring off of me and just praying that they would all grow and make it to the field. So once they're grown, we actually do something called transplanting them. We take the plant, it's about six to eight inches tall, and we take them in their trays out to the field and we actually have to now plant them in the ground. And so that is a very long process. We did it on 10 acres. If anybody's curious about what this looks like, go back to our website and check it out or follow us on Instagram. You'll see some phenomenal pictures of what we did. But we planted them then in the ground and then we had to fertilize them throughout the summer and, you know, get them to grow and then harvest them in the fall. Oh my gosh. And how many little trays did you have at this point when you're like manually putting them in the ground? Oh my gosh. Hundreds. Um, Whatever 22,000 divided by 50 is, that's how many trays we had. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we, and then you have to pop each of them out of there. I mean, this process is the hardest thing I've ever done. And there isn't, we don't have a big budget, right? And we don't want to spend a ton of money because we don't want to go broke in this industry. We've already spent so much of our investment just in the seeds. And then you have to buy soil and you have to buy fertilizer. We use um, all organic practices. So we're, you know, using stuff that costs even more to uh, fertilize than, you know, chemicals would, because we want to make sure we're using and creating the best product we can at the end. So, so much love goes into these plants just to even get them to grow. Oh my gosh. And will you just tell everybody, because I know you mentioned, you know, going looking at your early days, what your Instagram or Facebook, all of those things look like so that people can go see it because it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So um, our website's lakecountrygrowers.com and our handles are lakecountrygrowers. Awesome. Yeah. You guys are going to love this journey. And that's what made me call Rebecca because it's just been crazy to watch. So you'll have to go back and look at all the posts. Rebecca, you know, you're in the middle of this new journey and you're still working at Wildtree and you get a really big call from Wildtree. Why don't you tell everyone what that felt like and what it was and all of those things? Yeah. So here we are plugging on our little side gig hemp journey and I get an email and that says, we have an emergency phone call at 930 this morning. And 
then all of a sudden we're getting text messages like, did it, you guys we have a call at 930? So we get on this call and they mute the line. And that was not a good sign. And so this call was basically informing us that they were closing the company effective immediately. They gave us a 30-day notice. Business would conduct for the next 30 days. And at the end of the 30 days, we'll stay open for another 60 just to let customers, you know, if they want to reorder, but you won't get paid after the 30 days like you have been. So if you want to wrap up, do it in the next 30 days. And this came out of left field. I never anticipated that they would close the company. So I've been here almost 10 years at this point. I have retirement with the company. I've built this organization, my friends, my community. It's all wrapped up in Wildtree. And I was devastated, absolutely devastated. I know when we chatted about it before, I cried because it's hard. It's really hard to lose your job. Yeah. I mean, when I heard you talk about it, when we had our first conversation, I could just hear the heartbreak in your voice because I can't even imagine a decade of growing a business and more importantly, growing relationships and building something and then just having 30 minutes to process that you're going to lose it. So you get this call and you're obviously just devastated and heartbroken. And so how did that impact Lake Country Growers and kind of where you were at mentally? Yeah. So, I mean, the first few days were brutal. Like, you know, as a leader, people were looking to be like, what's next? What's next? What should I do? You're, you're supposed to be leading me. And I was caught so off guard. I didn't, I wasn't out scoping out other companies, you know, and then the good and the bad thing of this industry is now it becomes what, where am I going next? Self-protection mode, right? Everybody just kind of like, we have to do something right away. And I was a little paralyzed. I, I was heartbroken. I felt like you know, like I felt like the bride that got left at the altar. You promised me forever and now it's just me, you know? And so I kind of went into paralyzation mode for a few days while I was trying to sort out what I really wanted to have happen. And, you know, obviously lucky for me, I had already had this little hemp farm brewing on the side where as the days went by, I knew that was what I should be doing. And that's where I wanted to put my focus. Um, but it was really hard because I went from a career where I was connected with women and helping people in people's homes all the time to now I'm just going to be by myself on the farm. It's a very different career path completely. Yeah. And I just can imagine that it would be so hard. And I know you said you like, I literally just cried for days because it was such a devastating loss. But I think it sounds like it was also a huge motivator to make this hemp farm work. Absolutely. Because, you know, now my plan B, like it was kind of something I was doing on the side. Obviously, I'm you know, pretty driven. I can multitask, I'd say. Um, so I knew I could handle having the hemp farm and having my wild tree business at the same time, but it skyrocketed our desire to make late country growers super successful. And then it opened up so many more doors of like, okay, I have to make money at this now. Like it can't be a hobby. It has to, this has to succeed now. Like I had wild tree as my crutch. It was my income. I could use that to help, you know, support my hemp hobby. And now I have nothing. And so this has to work now. Oh my gosh. And you, as you're like growing the business, you're planting the seeds and everything, you run into a lot of obstacles. I mean, even your website was a huge obstacle, right? Yeah. So there's all kinds of issues with banking and websites and, you know, no one wants you to, at this point, no one really wanted to support the hemp industry. It was legal, but no one knew what to do, right? So people are still writing laws. And so we would get a website 
almost to completion. And then we'd go to hit live and they would take us offline. And we had three different websites that we had built with the promise like, yeah, we're going to help you. It's not a problem. We've got it approved. And then when you would hit go, it would basically say, nope, sorry. You know, whether it was the host or the plugin or the merchant processing. So it took us a really, really long time to even just get a website up and launched. Oh my gosh. Well, when I think about the process and labor of love it takes to create a website, I can't even imagine doing it multiple times and that feeling of like, yep, nope, not going through what that must have felt like for you. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't that we weren't researching. Like I would have multiple conversations. I'm like, I need the highest person in your tech support. You know, like I, I don't trust you. Like I really need to know that you're going to be there with us to the end on this. And like multiple times we were told, yep, no problem. It's great. We've got it. You know, it's not a problem. And then, you know, once it was live, then it caught the attention of someone else. And they're like, nope, we're not going to do that. So finally we found a home and we're very happy and I never want another website again. I believe it. Because you told me you built it yourself too, which is just pretty unbelievable. And again, hello, resourceful. (laughs) Exactly. That's what bootstrapping will get you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think it's important to just give like a, you know, really quick Wikipedia bullet point explanation of the difference between CBD, hemp, marijuana, because I know a lot of people still are like, ooh, hemp, because they think of it as interchangeable with marijuana, but it's not. So give us a little bit of an explanation. Yeah. And, you know, this was really. Uh, the biggest part of what we really wanted to do was to really help normalize what is hemp? Why are we getting censored so much? Why is this such a big deal? Like, you know, we're moms, we're wives, we, you know, we live in the mainstream world. Like, why is this being censored so much? So education is huge because there's so much misconfusion about what is hemp, what is CBD, what is marijuana, and how does it work? So I think the first thing is the word cannabis. So cannabis is a family of plants, um, which both marijuana and hemp are part of the cannabis family. So the difference between hemp and marijuana is to be considered hemp. It has to be under 0.3% T delta 9 THC by weight. And anything over that is now considered marijuana. And so marijuana has that psychoactive delta-9 THC in it, which is a cannabinoid that's found in the cannabis plant. And that's the one that's got the bad rap. That's the one that, you know, has got the reefer madness. And, you know, hemp is from the same family of plants. It's under the 0.3% THC, delta-9 THC, and it's very, very high in CBD. So CBD and THC are comparable where hemp and marijuana are comparable. So THC and CBD are both cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant. I know it's kind of confusing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, it just shows again like how much you probably even had to teach yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. There's over 113 different cannabinoids in the cannabis plant and all of them have different properties, healing properties. And CBD is kind of like the MVP of the hemp plant. And it's actually why we spent all that money on those seeds because we were looking for seeds that were going to give us CBD rich plants. So I know you're a plant lady and if you're a gardener listening to this, you can maybe kind of equate. Um, but when we grow tomatoes, I love tomatoes as an example, you're growing different tomatoes for different things, right? So if you want to make your yummy salsa, you're probably going to grow Roma tomatoes. Or if you're going to make BLTs, you're probably going to get a beefsteak tomato because that's great for slicing. So the same thing with the hemp and marijuana. So we want to grow CBD rich plants so we can have really good CBD oil. So we're looking for seeds and genetics that are going to give us really high CBD plants. We don't want to mess around with marijuana because that's going to give you high THC and that's, that's not legal and that's not what we're after. So I hope that helps a little bit. It does. And why is CBD the goal? Like what about it is like the magic Yeah, it's, you know, there's 
thousands, hundreds of research papers out there and research, and cannabis plant has been used medicinally from every generation in history. And CBD is the one that's been studied the most, and it's the major cannabinoid in the plant. So there is other minor cannabinoids like CBN and CBC that are in the plant. There's just not as much research about them, and they're more specific. Where CBD is a really good broad cannabinoid, it helps with so many things like inflammation, autoimmune, anxiety, pain. It really, the best way to say it, it's like the MVP of the plant. That's awesome. And so I have seen in your pictures, you know, your families, your family, most family, your kids out in the fields doing the work, the manual labor. And you have coined this term that I just think that is adorable called farmily. Will you tell us a little bit about that? Because I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So we say it's one farm, two families, and you as part of the farmly because it really takes all of us to make this happen. And all of our kids had a role in it. You know, we really wanted to teach our kids. I mean, one of the things I longed for is I am sad that my kids are not getting the farm experience that I had when I was a kid. Like that summer when we were in Alaska, you know, we're really reflecting on our lives and hard work and determination and grit comes from farming families. And I didn't want my kids to miss out on that opportunity and neither did Mo. And so when we started this adventure, it was like, we wanted to teach our kids delayed gratification. We just didn't want them playing video games and, you know, select sports all day long. We wanted to teach them, you know, like hard work takes a really long time. We plant the seed in spring and we don't harvest it till fall. And we don't actually have a product until several months later. And we were able to execute that full circle with our kids. And, you know, like I said before, we're also married, so that's good. And the kids, I think, still like us for the most part. It was a lot of work. I believe it. But I love that. And I think there's so many moms listening that will be able to relate to, you know, thinking about the way that our childhoods were, whether we were raised on a farm or not compared to the childhood's of today where there isn't enough like time with your hands in the dirt and how beautiful that must be even though it's hard and I think just everything you've said today about your grit and determination and resourcefulness probably have a lot to do with that young life growing up on a farm. Yeah. You know, I live in this wonderful city in Oconomowoc and our kids have the opportunity to do so many things, but it's like, I want to kind of tie them a little bit to the past of who we were. And then looking to the future, our planet, we only get one. And so when we practice our farming practices, we try to do regenerative ag. We use a cover crop. I try to really educate the kids about like the world around us that we live in and we're part of and that we impact, you know, and I want to have them have that experience hands on. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I'm going to send my three boys to you because they could use this. (laughs) They could really use it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so tell me because you have really – I mean, it's amazing. When I look at your website, first of all, I would never know that like you did that with no like IT background or anything because it looks fantastic and your products and your labels are just beautiful. So why don't you talk a little bit about what your product line looks like? Yeah. So um, the farm side of our business is called Lake Country Growers. And then our product line, our CBD rich farm to bottle hemp products are the gold leaf collection. And so those are the products. We grow the hemp. We had someone else extract the oil. So we grew the plants. Someone else extracted it. They bottle it for us. And then we design the labels. We design all the marketing material. All of that's done in-house. And then we were looking for products like we go back to the beginning, like we wanted products for our family, right? We wanted stuff that I could give my children and my parents and siblings and the people that I am in community with. And so I really wanted to make a brand that was approachable, that didn't have that, you know, psychedelic, you know, overly aggressive hemp stamp 
all over it, you know, because I know that that it can turn people off. It's already kind of a taboo subject. So we want to make sure people feel really connected and willing to try our products because the the packaging and the marketing should show all the love that went into it, right? Oh my gosh, it does. It's beautiful. And I can't wait for everybody to jump on your website and see all the products because they are beautiful. And I love your farm to bottle concept. It's so kind of in line with, you know, I think the way that people are thinking about their lives right now and how much they want to know where things that they're eating or things that they're putting on their body, where they come from. Yep. And that you have this clean, organic product, you know, that you get from your farming practices is is so unbelievable. It's fantastic. So one of the things you mentioned to me in our call was that you have had this surprise interest and market need coming from parents looking for products for their children. Can you just talk a little bit about that? And I mean, I can imagine that after these couple years of COVID that that's just so heavy on people's hearts right now. Absolutely. So, you know, when we first got started, the market has changed so much. You know, since 2019, our first product, the Gold Leaf, um, was debuted in December 7th, 2019. So just three months before the pandemic shut us down as the world, right? So now we're in levels of anxiety have just started to skyrocket, right? Because everybody's at home. They don't know what's going on in the world. They don't know what their jobs are going to be. And now kids are home from school. And so here we are two plus years later, and we are fielding so many phone calls from moms. I don't know what to do with my child. I don't want to put them on prescription meds. Do you think CBD will help? You know, anxiety is, it's through the roof. It's something we did not see when we first started out. You know, I think it's compounded, you know, with all this stress that's going on in the world and it's reaching younger and younger age children. And the good thing is that we are seeing great results. So our products really are helping. I have hundreds of moms that have reported back to us like, this is working so good for us. Thank you so much. But they need that confidence to be able to try that product with their kids. And it's through education that we're trying to do that the best that we can. Um, so our phones are always open. You can always give us a call and ask us questions because we really do want to help people. We want to be a resource and a tool. Well, and I think that you make it feel so personal and so like a family mm-hmm. that people probably trust you more than that if they just went and Googled, you know, CBD for kids. I know that I do. I yeah. would feel way more confident. So with that being said, I um, have had anxiety long before COVID. <laughs> You know, pretty much my whole life I've had like a baseline of anxiety. I would say, you know, ask my husband, I drive him crazy. But I've never tried anything, you know, hemp or CBD. So what kind of product would you recommend a mom like me or a woman like me that's never tried it and, you know, wants to try something natural for anxiety? Absolutely. And anxiety, the top three things that we hear are anxiety, pain, and insomnia. So anxiety And all three of those, you're going to need to treat it from the inside out, right? It's going to be something that's happening inside of you. We're all bio-individuals, so there's not going to be a perfect dose per person. So it's really a personal journey. So for you, I would recommend either our CBD-rich tincture, which is looks like a baby Tylenol almost, you know, dropper. Um, And that can be kind of intimidating to people because they've never taken any quote-unquote like daily supplement that looks like that. It's an oil that you just put underneath your tongue. You hold it there for one to two minutes. You swallow. You should start to see some results within 20 minutes. Wow. So do you take that like when you're going into a situation where you know you're going to have anxiety or do you take that, you know, when you wake up in the morning? 
well for us that we're in our midlife, it's something you should really be taking every day. As we, our body makes something called endocannabinoids and the plant, the cannabis plant gives us phytocannabinoids. And so it's kind of helping supplement those endocannabinoids that your body might not be making enough of, or you might be deficient in them. So it's a really good supplement that you should be doing every single day. Now, if you are having a stressful situation like recording a podcast and you feel like, I just I just want to feel a little more calm, absolutely, you can take more. You cannot overdose on CBD. If you take too much, your body will just excrete it. Okay. I love that. You don't have to worry about like, okay, I'm going to go jump in my car and drive Correct. because it doesn't have that level of THC, like Correct. you said. So yep. there's no worry about that. Yep. And it's non-drowsy too. So CBD is not going to put you to sleep. Now there are other products and different combinations out there you can you can look for if you are struggling with insomnia. That's something else that we can talk about later that we have products for that as well. But for anxiety, you can take it, you can jump in your car, you can, you can even take it before you go to bed and help people give a really great night's sleep. It just doesn't make you drowsy. Okay. Well, Rebecca, obviously your story has shown that you are somebody that is brave. You are not afraid of risks. You really are seizing your life since before your midlife even. But there are, I'm sure, a lot of women listening that have a big, bold dream. It might not be starting a farm, but Another dream that they are kind of paralyzed with fear to step into or chase. So what would you tell that woman in midlife that's hearing this right now? Well, I'd have to use your your coin. I'd say you have to seize it. You um I guess for me, like it's better to have tried and failed than to never try at all because we only get what's left of our life, right? So if you're sitting on that dream or that hope or that goal or desire, explore it a little bit more. You don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to have the land before you start the farm. You know, you'll figure it out. You don't want to live with regret in your life because you just don't want to look back and think, I wish I would have. Instead of saying, well, I tried. It didn't work out. I love that because you're right. Even if something fails, you walk away from that experience, you know, richer and with knowledge and knowing that you were brave enough to try. So thank you for sharing those words of wisdom. And I love the analogy of you don't need the land to start the farm. That's awesome. So Rebecca, this has been such a great conversation. I adore your story and I know everyone else will as well. Tell everyone again your website so they can go and jump on and check out your products right away. Yeah. So you can find us online at Lake countrygrowers with an s.com and you can find us on social media we're on instagram and facebook as lake country growers awesome thank you so much for being here it was so fun to talk to you and i hope you consider me now one of the family members (laughs) absolutely well thank you so much for having me and letting me share my story it's fun to kind of look back i bet And thank you to all of you for being here today. It means so much to me that you take time out of your busy schedule to listen to Seize Your Midlife. I hope that you walk away from today feeling inspired to chase your dreams. Please, if you can, share the podcast, rate it, give it a recommendation. Those things will lead more women to this conversation. And the more women that join this conversation, the fuller it will be. Have a beautiful day, my friends. Thank you.